Here we are again with another episode of Dental Soundbites. This is your host, Dr. Bill Griffin, coming to you from CMDA headquarters in Bristol, Tennessee. For several months now, much of the world's focus has been on Ukraine, which has been engaged in defending itself against the attacks of Russia. Many of you have prayed regularly regarding this conflict, and many of you have also sent contributions to help the needy. But there are two of our number who have stepped out in faith to actively assist the people of Ukraine, veteran missionary dentist Dr. John Pefferly and Dr. Phil Aday. Today we will hear their personal stories regarding their time in this war-torn country, why they went, what they experienced, and how the Lord blessed their service. First, let me share with you just a bit of biographical information about today's guests. Dr. Phil Aday is a 1986 graduate of Baylor College of Dentistry. He then practiced with the Army for eight years, then spent many years in Lawton, Oklahoma in private practice. Since retiring from practice in December 2021, Dr. Aday has participated or led dental mission trips to several countries in North Africa and the Middle East, with additional trips planned for later this year. Dr. John Pefferly graduated from Indiana University School of Dentistry in 1974, receiving his pediatric dentistry, pedodontics master's degree in 1980 from the University of North Carolina School of Dentistry. Dr. Pefferly is retired from pediatric dentistry and he has been rewired into a very active participant in international care for the needy. He served in numerous countries around the world, primarily with CMDA's Global Health Outreach. Now let's see what we can glean from these two veteran missionary dentists. So John and Phil, it wasn't easy to find a day when you were both in the U.S. and available, but we did it. So welcome to Dental Soundbites. Thank you. Glad to have you both on. For some time now, I've been wanting to create a podcast with you two, but what finally caused me to move forward was your dental mission trip earlier this year to the Ukraine, even as Russia was waging war against them. My first question is, which of you first came up with this idea? That would be me, Phil. Okay, gotcha. And and John, when, when Phil shared his idea with you, what were your first thoughts? I said, well, when do you want to leave? Well, that's tremendous. So eventually you two agreed to head to Ukraine. Phil, where did you go? And did you have any familiarity with the area? We went to a camp 10 kilometers south of the town of Ternopil. And I had served in that area the previous fall with this missionary. And John, what was your patient population like? And, and what type of treatment were you able to provide? I was primarily treating the orphans, although some of the military people that were there doing extractions, and Phil was doing incredible restorative work on both the military and the orphans. Mm. Now, how many of your patients spoke English, and how many needed a translator? We had, I would say, of the orphans, probably 20% maybe had some language skills. We were very blessed to have interpreters with us the entire time who uh, one young lady who interpreted for me is a professional translator and she had actually worked with me the previous fall well that's a great thing when you already know someone that's that's going to be there were there others that you saw that you had seen on previous trips besides that one translator 
Yeah, I met Vitaly in, in like, I think, 2015 in uh, Moldova. And so when we had our first GHO team in there, uh, we went, a lot of the volunteers that were there on that first GHO team and continued to be there were also part of his volunteer team at this facility that we were in. I am sure that they were very glad to see you back again. Were there opportunities to communicate with your patients regarding their spiritual interests? Yeah, uh, this was sort of a unique trip for me in that we lived with the population we were treating. We, mm-hmm. we ate breakfast with them, we ate lunch, played with them. And I sort of had a side motive when I was there. I was doing interviews for Fox News. So I was able to ask sometimes some pretty serious personal questions if I felt right. Mm-hmm. And often it would go to Jesus. Either I would mention something or they would mention it. And from the adults, they all said if it weren't for Jesus, they'd never get through this. Well, did any of those comments make it onto the Fox News broadcast? Uh, no. Well, it's it's great that they felt compelled to testify to the Lord's work in their lives. That's that's a great thing. Phil, did you have any good spiritual interactions with any of your patients there? Absolutely. Well, I remember one young man, he's probably 16 years old. He came and shared. I We were able to treat him. He's one of the orphans there. Mm-hmm. And he brought his guitar uh, one evening and shared a song that he had written about the invasion. Mm-hmm. And then before I had a chance to ask him of his spiritual condition or spiritual matters, he shared with me that he, he is a believer. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it was really interesting and really uh, fulfilling and gratifying to get to, uh, to meet another Christian brother and to fellowship with him and encourage him. That's one of the most amazing things about mission trips is you meet people from various areas, uh, a long uh, distance away, different cultures, sometimes different language. But yet when you find that resonance in Christ, that, that unity, it's just a, a, a very special sort of a confirmation that the gospel is indeed for, for all the world. I'm interested to know what were the most difficult aspects of the trip for each of you? Phil, we'll let you go first. I think the most difficult aspect for me was dealing with the anxiety that some of my family members had because I was going. Hmm. How about for you, John? Well, obviously being a pediatric dentist, I'm child oriented and I had a real difficult time wrapping my mind around what was the reality they were experiencing. And, and then as I was doing these interviews, I learned of one of them that was in a bomb crater for two days, a child and two adults, mm. and half the people in the in the bomb crater were uh, were killed. And uh, you know, so you look at these children's eyes, and you don't know the backstory, and you don't know what's going on. But I have to imagine it's um, very difficult place to be in. As you were flying back to the states, what thoughts went through your minds? As I flew back. I really pondered how incredibly blessed I was to be able to get to do this and serve in this way. Hmm. And I kept coming back to the question of when can I go back? How can I serve again? Hmm. And I know each of you do a, an awful lot of trips these days. Now that you're retired, although retired is probably not a good word for it, you've just been redirected. and. I think it's even though it can be nice to come home to family and familiarity, there's there's that constant desire to repeat that service at some point in the future. 
Now, how about you, John? Did any particular thoughts come to your mind as you were flying back? You know, the most difficult time on a mission trip for me, and I realized this probably 15 years ago, was when I'm on the airplane getting ready to fly home, and we haven't made that final turn yet to go down the runway, and all the why questions start coming. Hmm. You know, why was I born in the U.S., educated, had parents, and these didn't? Why this? Why that? And I try to connect those dots. And, mm-hmm. you know, even GHO has that book about coming home and new normal. And it's just nothing anybody can prepare you for. And it's just one day I finally said, grace. That's what grace is. I, God gave me that grace. And I have trouble with that at that moment when I'm leaving these countries. Mm-hmm. And you both take seriously the admonition in Scripture, to whom much is given, much is expected. And, and it seems like the natural maybe I should call it the supernatural response to recognizing God's grace in our lives is to want to communicate that, that grace to others. And, and I so admire your desire to care for the dentally needy, especially at such a high risk to your own well-being. And, and I praise God for the care you provided and the encouragement you gave to those that you met over there. Now, Phil and John, you two have been active in dental missions for several years. And each of you spent several years also in private practice. You've introduced others to the many blessings of caring for others internationally. Were there dentists in each of your lives who inspired you to reach out beyond our borders with the love of Christ? Well, I'd be totally remiss if I didn't bring up Bill Sasser's name. And Mm -hmm. you'll remember Bill and CDS one year. Uh, I nominated Bill for the Ron Lamb Award. And, and he received it. And, you know, I was cheerful when he got it because he always has time. And there, there are others, but Bill and I got a lot of respect for Gail Cheatwood. And I've been on many teams with him. But then as you go along the way, like Phil and I, you know, we met, I don't know how many years ago, it was a long time. And those kind of relationships stimulate you and re-stimulate you and re-stimulate you. So, you know, I, I've resigned. You know, it's all part of God's plan, obviously. And we just have to have the 2020 hearing to know what he's asking. You're, you're mentioning some great people that I think very highly of as well. And it's interesting how I don't think anybody goes on mission trips to meet friends. But when you serve next to somebody, especially in difficult situations, at the end of that trip, you're, you're friends. You recognize that common calling and the common dependence on the Lord and and God's created some great friendships in my life in that way also. How about for you, Phil? Were there dentists along the way that inspired you to continue? Yes, yeah, certainly. For me, it started in dental school. Way back then, CMDA was called CMS, Christian Medical Society. And we had a, a weekly Bible study. And one of the sponsors uh, whom we would meet in their home, his name is T-Bob Davis, Yes. Every fall, he would lead a group of students down to Matamoros, Mexico, and we would treat orphans down there as dental students under supervision of T-Bob and, and another dentist. And that sparked in me the realization that I could use my dental skills in ministry. Mm-hmm. From that point on, I was hooked went every year in dental school that he led a trip to Matamoros. And then as I started my career uh, in the army and then in private practice, I started carving out time at least a couple of 
couple of trips a year to do overseas missions. Mm -hmm. I know a number of others who have done trips with T-Bob and speak of that as being a turning point and encouraging time in their lives as well. But now to go on all these trips over the years, you two had to also pay the bills. And (laughs) each of you were in private practice. How did you go about balancing the demands of your private practice responsibilities with your mission trips? Was it a certain number of trips per year? Was it a more spontaneous decision process? How did you go about making those decisions? For me, I started out, got actually recruited by Dave Stevens to head up a dental team that he was leading to Honduras. Hmm. And that began part of my career with global health outreach. And in the early years of private practice, it was one trip a year. Mm-hmm. And then after probably five years, I added a second trip. And I, I really tried to be cautious because, you know, as a, in private practice, your overhead goes on whether you're in the office producing or not. Right. And tried to just be wise in expenditures in my personal life so that I did not become so encumbered financially that I couldn't afford to go on a mission trip. And I have to say every year that uh, I was in private practice, even when I expanded to do two trips a year and then three trips a year at the end of the year, my financial bottom line had always increased, even though I'd been out of the office more. That is God's grace. How about you, John? How did you go about balancing mission trips with your private practice work? Well, I don't think anyone's ever accused me of being all that balanced, but um, <laughs> well, actually what happened with me, I sort of, I took my staff on our first mission trip. We thought we were going to go to Maui for the year because we got all of our goals reached, but we've been treating Belarusian kids in the office through a program called Abro. And after a phone call, someone saying, we really think you should go. And I'm thinking what's wrong with them. I decided to go and I presented to the staff, listen, we've already got the time marked off. If you want to go to Maui, go to Maui, but I'm going to Belarus. And, and they all said, we're going with you. And so it took them for two weeks. And yeah, in the back of my mind, overhead was kind of a question, a kind of a worry, mm-hmm. but I just didn't think through it. I just, it just would go. In the early years, it was one, t- you know, one team a year. It was almost always Belarus, but then we started going to Vietnam and taking staff. And so it's just, God just always took care of it. And mm-hmm. uh, my faith wasn't all that great, even when he was taking care of it. So your staff had a decision between Maui and Belarus, and they chose Belarus. That every, sounds every to that sounds to me like a spirit-led decision right there, and and I'm sure that they got great satisfaction out of that and uh, being able to serve others in that process. Now, as you each head out on a typical mission trip, there are certainly logistical concerns regarding supplies, equipment, and the like. But what's going on in your heads? How do you seek to cultivate the right attitude prior to the start of the the treatment on the trip? Well, for me, it probably starts with prayer. And a lot of times my prayer is conversational. Mm -hmm. And especially if it's going to a place I've never been before and it might be a hot item or a hot place in the world. You know, I ask for guidance in Psalm 139. I think the last couple of verses are search my heart and, you know, make sure I'm going for the right reason. So I just a lot of and talking with other people, but I learned to, I guess, at that point, surrender hmm. that 
it's going to be what it's going to be, and it will be good. Yes, I think that's good advice, and that that surrendering empowers us in a way. It, it that acknowledgement that we're totally dependent on God for the success of this trip, even for our own safety. That's a that's a freeing thing, as as strange as that might sound to some. Phil, how about you? Any particular ways that you sought to get your head right as trips were about to begin? Well, I start months in advance when I've got a trip calendared and start building a team as a team leader. I start communicating with the team and coordinating. When I was in private practice, uh, my office manager would always print up a a packing list for me to make sure that I took the key elements that I needed to do the dentistry. Mm-hmm. And then as we approached, oh, a month and a half before the travel date, I would start sending out updates to my team, praying for them by name, mm-hmm. sending out devotions, praying about the, the upcoming ministry that God would provide what we like to call divine appointments for us as we serve. Several years ago, GHO began encouraging teams to do a time of prayer and fasting. And I've done that a couple of times with my teams where we set aside a, a some usually about a 21 day period where team members can sign up and on a specific day, they pray and fast for the upcoming mission and everybody on the team knows that they are participating in a fast that day and lift that particular team member up in prayer. Yes, I can see how something like that would not only cultivate a person's relationship with the Lord as they prepare for the trip, but create a degree of unity within that team, many of whom might not have even met each other yet. But then when you finally met, you realize that you've already been on mission in terms of preparing for for what God might have for you during, during that time. Exactly. Now, each of you has contributed to the book, God Sightings, compiled by Dr. Trish Burgess, the director of Global Health Outreach. I've been thoroughly enjoying the stories written by other GHO veterans like yourselves. And I'd like to give each of you an opportunity to share an example of a God sighting on one of your trips. And it could be either from what you wrote in the book or perhaps some other example. Phil? I don't know if I included this God sighting in the book, I was serving on a, at that time, it was MGM, Medical Group Missions, which is the predecessor of GHO. We were serving in a prison in Quito, Ecuador. And I had a prisoner who was serving as my interpreter and actually was using the prison's dental office. So we were in the dental office. I was treating a prisoner. I had a prisoner who was my interpreter. And at the end of the treatment, I shared the gospel with my patient Mm -hmm. through my translator, shared the gospel with him. I think I used the Evangicube. And at the end of sharing the gospel with him, I asked my patient if he would like to become a Christ follower. And he said, yes. I led him through a prayer again, using my interpreter. And at the end, my patient said, you know, amen, and we finished. And then my interpreter in this pleading voice said, what about me? Wow. And I said, what do you mean, what about me? He said, can't I do that too? <laughs> and I said, yes, of course. 
I had been focused on my patient and his spiritual condition and was not considering that my interpreter was hearing everything and was translating that to my patient. And the Holy Spirit had drawn him also. So it was a knock upside the head for me to realize that I needed to expand my focus and consider not only whom I was sharing with, but those that were within the hearing of that sharing. What a powerful story of, of God at work. I wonder how many other people have translated for trips and then the gospel finally sunk in in their hearts as well. Thanks for sharing that, Phil. How about you, John? Anything come to mind? You know, as I look back, there's been sort of a common theme. Of course, being a pediatric dentist, we're also trained in handicapped special needs both physical and mental. And I've had a couple situations where it didn't make any sense why the mother brought their handicapped child to the clinic that day because they'd been told by everybody they were not treatable. And the most recent happened in Tanzania where just one day this lady showed up with a little boy. He was six, but he weighed about 25 pounds. And he had athetoid cerebral palsy, and the doctor said, there's nothing you can do for this child. You really should start preparing for his demise. So somehow, and she, she carried the boy, they said over two miles, to the clinic. And as it turned out, the, the little boy had, you know, nursing bottle carriers or bottle, you know, just rampant decay. Mm-hmm. And the reason he wasn't eating is because of her. So that day, our, uh, we had a wonderful translator from Tanzania. And I got Lori Price, who's been on several GHO teams. And we took the little boy and I explained to mom, I can't give a lot of local anesthetic based on his age, but we get these teeth out. I promise you he's going to, he's going to eat. And mm-hmm. I took out 18 teeth on him sitting in her lap. Uh, and then I went and had a good cry afterwards. But wow. when she came back three days later for the post-op, she said he hadn't stopped eating since he'd gotten home. And then we saw a follow-up picture later on and he just was looking healthy and but I just you have to wonder wow what a coincidence (laughs) this woman came from a different city walked because she either heard there was a dentist there that treated handicap I don't know what brought her there well I do know what brought her there but uh, you know you just have to go wow God thanks for using me in this case yeah certainly and and you wouldn't mention this John but that type of treatment is not easy treatment, and it's God's providence to have an experienced pediatric dentist to provide it as well. Now, with all of your combined dental mission trips and the various experiences that you've had, what have you each learned on the mission field that helps you walk more closely with Christ back here in the States? John? You know, we get a game face on, we get all prayed up and ready to go on these teams, and we're ready for the folks we're gonna see and as Phil mentioned, sensitive to the translator's needs, and and we're pretty good with that while we're there. But it's keeping that game face on when you come back. Mm-hmm. You know, the people with, that we treat, the refugees, the human trafficking victims, whatever, they know there's no way to no way up to go up except God. And they're there and they understand. When we get home, we have a lot of friends that the only way up is through God, but they haven't realized that yes. yet. Mm-hmm. And I think it's being sensitive to that and being patient to that, how we can continue what we do outside the United States, inside the United States. And we know our own hometown and our own home 
sometimes is the most difficult mission field. What I hear you saying, John, is that the needs of people internationally and the needs of people in the States, at least in terms of the spiritual, the greater needs, are very similar, but in the U.S. they're somewhat disguised, and it might be harder for us to see them. It might be less likely for people to admit those needs, but that recognizing that the needs are universal can make us more sensitive to those back home that might not be as obvious coming forward and admitting those needs. Yeah. How about you, Phil? Anything in particular come to mind that you've picked up on over your years of trips? I would echo what John has just said. Sometimes it seems easier for me to get geared up and serve overseas and share the gospel openly. But when I come home, I realize there's a mission field right outside my door here in the United States. They may not have as many dental needs, perhaps. Sometimes they do, Mm -hmm. but that I need to be just as intentional when I'm home in sharing the gospel and living out the Great Commission as I am when I go overseas. What a great God we have that not only allows us to serve him around the world and proclaim his love to many others through dentistry, but also teaches us through those experiences how we can better serve him back in the States. He puts things together in a way that we we never could. Well, I very much appreciate you both being willing to share about your experiences, not just in Ukraine, but also on other trips and, and how the Lord has worked through you. And and I look forward to seeing what the future might bring and and how he will continue to allow you, hopefully for many more years, to represent Christ and show his love to others that need dental treatment. So thank you both and God bless you. Thank you, Bill. I'm the same to thank you. you. Thanks very much. What an inspirational testimony we've heard from Drs. Phil Aday and John Pefferly. I know that many of you are regular participants in dental mission trips, and you know that each trip has its own unique challenges and blessings. For those of you who have not been part of a trip through CMDA's Global Health Outreach, let me remind you about the Dale Willis Scholarship Fund, which can cover most of the costs for your first GHO trip. We've had three dentists who utilize these scholarships on GHO trips recently. And although there are many organizations that put on trips, I highly recommend you taking advantage of the great trip preparation and organization provided by Dr. Trish Burgess and her team at GHO. To learn more, email us at cda at cmda.org, or you can go to the website cmda.org gho. Also, as you heard about on today's podcast, the book God Sightings is an inspirational collection of stories put together by Dr. Trish Burgess regarding recent GHO trips. To get your copy, just go to cmda.org bookstore. Finally, mark your calendar for CMDA's 2023 National Convention, which will happen from April 27th to 30th in Cincinnati. We'll hear from some great plenary and breakout speakers including a full afternoon dental presentations, as well as another afternoon directed towards the unique needs of students. Make plans to join us, and you may want to arrive in Cincinnati early or stay late so that you can take in the Ark Encounter theme park. I hope to see many of you there. 
We're now creating Dental Sound Bites podcasts for monthly distribution, and I hope you're enjoying them as much as I am. If you have ideas regarding a good potential future guest, feel free to send them my way. And also consider sending an episode link to a friend who might appreciate learning more about CMDA's dental ministry. Until next time, God bless. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.